Lord, thank you that we have the Word of God. And thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to teach us. As we open up your Word together, forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many and, and teach us. May we see you, Jesus, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're new, we, we believe the Bible is God's Word. We'd love to open it up together. And this morning, we're going to read about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. If not, you can follow on the screens. It's good to bring your Bible with you. 1 Peter 5, 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you uh, to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. I usually can go to bed pretty well and fall asleep, but often at 3 o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I hear this voice that says, you are such a failure. You have not made the progress in your Christian life you should have made by this time. You're a failure as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. Smiley, do you realize how many people you have disappointed? And I'm in bed thinking about that at 3 in the morning. Do you ever look at, uh, Smiley, have you looked at the giving? How in the world are you going to pay all of those bills? Ah. Anybody else ever hear that voice? Um, see a hand there. Uh, this morning, we're going to identify that voice and learn how to overcome him. Uh, what we're going to learn this morning is the devil wants to devour you like a lion. The devil wants to devour you like a lion. Listen, the devil loves to discourage us. He loves to put anxious thoughts in our mind. If you're new here this week, we've been doing a series of messages called Overcomers. Overcomers, and the reason is when we hook our wagon to Jesus and we say, I want to follow you, I want to be your disciple, when we do that, we find ourselves in a great spiritual battle. It's, it's fought at three different levels. It's fought within us and around us and above us. And we looked at the battles fought inside of us with the flesh. There's a battle inside of us between the flesh and the spirit. And then the battles fought around us with the world always trying to squeeze us into its mold. We learned about that last week. I, I got this email this week. <clears throat> Smiley just left the first service. You used the analogy of coaching. You said you didn't think you had properly coached us for the world. Hearing you this morning, I feel better and more prepared to go into the world and proclaim the greatness of Jesus. Thank you, Coach. It was a wonderful morning. I can now say with more confidence, put me in, Coach. I know I'll be more successful. And I'm going, yes, yes. That's why we're doing this series. I, I really want to encourage you and help you to overcome the world and the flesh. And today, the devil, the devil 
And what we're going to focus in on is that the devil wants to devour you like a lion. The devil wants to devour you like a lion. Now, it's helpful, it's helpful to understand the context of a passage so that we understand how it applies to us today. So help me, I'll, I'll help you a little bit. This letter, 1 Peter, was written by Peter the Apostle. It's written in about 60 AD. It's written to Christians who were spread throughout the Roman Empire. It's to Christians who have come to faith in Christ in a hostile culture. They've come to faith in Christ, and now they're being persecuted. They're suffering greatly, and so he's writing to them to prepare them for the suffering. He's writing to them to encourage them. He's telling them over and over again, suffering is for a short time, glory is forever. Suffering is for a short time, glory is forever. Don't give up, don't give up, follow Jesus. Now, before the 2000s, there were the 1900s, some of you remember that. I came to faith in Christ in the 70s, the 1970s, and when I did, my faith was celebrated in this community. I came to faith in Christ in this community, and when I came to faith in Christ, the community celebrated that, um, that I wasn't stealing server's tips anymore or, or, or getting drunk or, or abusing drugs, and, this, and the culture celebrated that. I moved away for many years, and in the 1990s, I moved back, and when I moved back, my faith wasn't celebrated anymore. It was tolerated. It was tolerated. That's good for you. It's good for you. Just don't bother me with it. It was tolerated. And now it's 20 years later, and now, now my faith is seen as dangerous. There are many people in our culture that believe that, that the teaching of Jesus is dangerous. It's dangerous to teach kids. It's dangerous that I'm now considered dangerous by many. Uh, what's behind that change? Ooh, yeah, thank you. Someone said, Satan, what's changed is the devil wants to devour you like a lion. Behind all persecution and growing hostility, there is someone working. And, and that's what we're going to learn about today. We're going to walk through this passage. And, and note, look at verses 6 and 7. There's two commands. Two commands are given, and then two gospel promises are made. Notice the first command. The first command is, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And, and why? The gospel promise is that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now remember, the author is Peter, and Peter knows a thing or two about being humble, doesn't he? And he knows a thing or two about being exalted, doesn't he? I mean, some of you know the story, right? That Jesus is moving close to the cross, and he says, what, all of you, all of you are going to run away? But what did Peter say? Not me. Peter was so confident in himself, wasn't it? And Jesus said, no, you're going to deny me. I'll never deny you. Oh, and then he did, didn't he? Three times he denied that he even knew who Jesus was. So he was humbled, wasn't he? But after he was humbled and realized how weak he was, then Jesus exalted him and restored him back as an apostle. And he got to be the one who preached on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were saved. 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. How do we overcome the evil one? How do we make progress in the Christian life? First, we humble ourselves, and when we do, God exalts us. I mean, isn't that the gospel, isn't it? Doesn't the gospel say, if you humble yourself, then God will exalt you, doesn't it? And you might say, well, why do we need to humble ourselves? Well, the word gospel means good news, but it has bad news. And the bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin. And sin is a condition, not simply isolated acts, and it's really about pride. And sin can express itself in two different ways. In some people, sin, pride, is expressed in what we think of sinful acts, of lying, stealing, immorality, drunkenness. That's how sin is expressed in some ways in outward acts. But in other people, that, that inward sin is expressed itself in pride and self-righteousness. I don't need a Savior. I can save myself. And yet the reality is that every one of us has sinned against God over and over again, and we deserve God's wrath. But here's the good news. Jesus humbled himself so that you and I could be exalted. Jesus humbled himself, didn't he? God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and walked here on earth as a human being. He walked in obedience and humility for 33 years, didn't he? And then he humbled himself, how? To the point of death, even death on a cross, right? He took our sins upon himself. He died in our place. He was humbled. Why? So that we could be exalted. And on the third day, he rose from the grave, proving that he had conquered sin and death and the devil. And he says, if we would humble ourselves, then he would exalt us. That if we would acknowledge our sin and put our faith in him, that he would forgive us our sins and give us eternal life, an abundant life now and life that lasts forever. You say, well, how do we humble ourselves? Look in John 6, verse 47. Will you read this verse with me? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. So who does Jesus say has eternal life? Who you believe? So if you believe, then what does he say about you? You have eternal life. And maybe you say, well, Smiley, what, what does it mean to believe? I mean, doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? That what it means to believe, we, we love to say it's as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. Where we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you haven't, won't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And then we commit. <laughs> Jesus, I can't save myself, so I want you to be my Savior. And I want you to forgive me and give me eternal life. I'm not going to trust in myself anymore. I'm going to trust in you. And it's to commit to Jesus as Lord. Today I surrender and I want you to take over. And from this day forward, I'll follow you. If you've not done that, won't you do that? And if you have, by humbling yourself, now you've been exalted. Now you've been forgiven. Now you have an abundant life. Now you have life that lasts forever. So how do we make progress in the Christian life? Whenever Jesus asks us to do something, <laughs> we humble ourselves. Why? so that he might exalt us at the proper time. You see, the way we make progress in the Christian life is the same way we begin. It's, it's through admitting, believing, and committing. Lord, I admit to you that, that I don't know nearly as much as I think I do. And then I believe, Jesus, I believe you know, 
you know better than me, and we commit, Jesus, I want to follow you and follow you and follow you. So in our battle against the evil one, we want to humble ourselves so that God will exalt us. Now notice the next command. The next command is casting all your anxiety on him, and the promise is because he cares for you. What makes you anxious? What gets you up in the middle of the night? What worries you? Um, You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not fast enough. You don't belong. Do you ever wonder where that voice comes from, do you? You know where that voice comes from? It comes from the devil. That's where it comes from. Listen, that's one voice, but also if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, we've been given the Holy Spirit, right? And, and what is the Holy Spirit saying? He cares for you. He cares for you. He's crazy about you. Cast your anxiety on Him. Interesting, that word, casting. Uh, it is the, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the word there is epiripto, and epi means upon, and, and then ripto means to throw. And it's like if you were going to ride a horse and you had a blanket, you'd throw the blanket onto the horse. You'd put it on the horse. It's like that we're to throw our anxiety on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. So, listen, those anxious thoughts, the real battle with the devil is in our thoughts. It's in our thoughts. And he sows those thoughts, those anxious thoughts in there. And what we're to do is to take those thoughts and throw them on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, I find what comes next uh, funny or, or at least amusing because the Bible says, listen, you know, cast your anxieties on him and then, oh, by the way, the devil wants to devour you like a lion. What would make us anxious there, right? Look at what comes next, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing, <clears throat> no, but resist him, Let me back up a little bit. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Why is it so important to to be of sober spirit and be on the alert? Because your adversary. See the word adversary? Uh, it, It has the idea that in a lawsuit, the person who's suing you, they're your adversary. You have an adversary. Ever wonder why life is hard? Ever wonder why it's hard to follow Jesus? You have an adversary. And uh, your adversary, the devil. Uh, The word for devil here is this word, diabolos. Look at the word, diabolos. What do you think we get from that? Thank you, diabolical. Uh, You ever hear that someone says that's diabolical? The the word there for devil is diabolos, the, the diabolical one, and it literally means the accuser the accuser. So notice that you, you have an adversary, the devil, and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to, come on, help me, to devour. Um, are, are you alert? Do you make sure that, that you're of sober spirit because you realize there is an adversary who's against you who wants to devour you? Um, what, what does it mean he wants to devour us? 
Listen, Jesus defeated Satan. Satan is doomed and defeated, and he's headed to the lake of fire to spend eternity in the lake of fire, but he's trying to bring as many people as he can with him. So if you're not yet a Christian, I want you to know he's going to do everything he can to keep you from coming to faith in Christ because he wants to make you miserable forever. You don't want to become a Christian, do you? Look, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. How could what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on a cross, how could that have any impact on your life today? And listen, if you're a Christian, he wants to devour you. If you're married, he wants to destroy your marriage. Listen, he wants to devour your children. He wants, to, uh, he wants to keep you from bearing much fruit. And you say, well, what are his tactics? How do I spot what the devil does? Listen, the one who wants to devour us, he's known as the tempter, and so he tempts us. He tempts us to do things that God says are wrong. And you say, "How? Oh, well, I love the story. There's a young man, and, and the devil tempts him with immorality. He says, no, I, I don't want to get involved in sex outside of marriage. And, and then he tempts him with alcohol. No I, no, I don't want to get drunk. And then he tempts him with money. No, I don't want to ruin my life with the love of money. So what do you think the devil does next? He turns and says, oh, God sure must be, you know, proud to have such a special person as you close to him, right? So he goes for what? For pride. Listen, the devil tempts. The devil deceives. He's called the deceiver. Remember what his first deception was? He said about God's word, he says what? Has God said? Do you ever hear that voice questioning God's word? Why would you believe the Bible? His first deception was, has God said? And then he went on to say, God just wants to make you miserable. The reason God says not to do things is he wants to keep you from having fun. He tempts, he deceives, he persecutes. Why is there a hostility toward Christians in the advance of the gospel? Because you have an adversary who wants to devour you like a lion, uh, the devil wants to devour you like a lion. Behind all persecution, behind all persecution, the devil is working to devour Christians. Uh, he tempts, he deceives, he persecutes, he divides. Satan is always sowing discord among Christians. You ever wonder why is it so hard as Christians to get along? Uh, maybe you're married, you're both Christians. You ever wonder why it's so hard? To, do you realize you have an enemy who wants to divide you, do you? He's always sowing discord in our marriage and small group and church. He wants to divide people. Uh, and, and lastly, he, not lastly, but, but he also discourages us. Listen, you'll never overcome that sin. You can't. You, you could never lead a small group. You could never lead someone to faith in Christ. You can, you can't, you can't, you can't. Oh, the devil wants to devour you like a lion. He, he tempts and deceives and persecutes and divides and discourages. So notice what he says. Uh, he says, but resist him, firm in your faith. Don't give in to him. Don't fall for his deceptions. 
Don't fall for his discouragements. Uh, so how do we resist him firm in our faith? Isn't, isn't Jesus our model? I mean, Jesus was tempted in all things as we are yet without sin, wasn't he? So wouldn't it make sense that if we wanted to overcome sin, that we would study him? Wouldn't that make sense to do? And what do we discover when we look at how Jesus dealt with temptation? Someone speaks of a CMD. A CMD, you know what a CMD, it's a critical moment of decision. You know what a CMD is? Let me ask you a question. When's the easiest time to resist a temptation? When's the easiest time? When? Immediately. Immediately. A CMD, a CMD, the critical moment of decision, is the moment we're tested. The longer we entertain a temptation or a deception or a discouragement, the harder it is to overcome. And so when we see Jesus, what do we see at that CMD, at that critical moment of decision? When Jesus is tempted by the devil, what does he do? He responds, what? Immediately, and he says, what? It is written. It is written. It is written. He knew the Word of God. He believed in the power of the Word of God. And the way he resisted, the way he was strong in his faith, was he resisted immediately and with God's Word. Is that the way we resist, is it? Immediately and with God's Word? Huh. Often at 3 o'clock in the morning when I'm doing battle with the devil and those thoughts are in there, you're such a failure, you're such a failure. And the way I like to respond right away is, you know, you're right, you're right. But the word of God says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Oh, do you know what it means when you are a failure to know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, I run to Jesus. I don't talk about how good I am because I'm not, but I'm so thankful to have a Savior and there's no condemnation. That's the CMD. That's the critical moment of decision when we're tempted that we respond like Jesus did with God's Word. And by the way, if you're going to use God's Word, guess what? What? You need to know what it is, right? If you don't know it, you can't use it. But resist him, firm in your faith, uh, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Satan loves to isolate us. To isolate. You're the only one who's anxious. You're the only one with struggles. You're the only one. God has forgotten you. But one of the reasons it's so important we do life together, one of the reasons it's so important we're in a small group is when we get next to someone in a small group, we discover what? Every Christian suffers. Every Christian has pain in their life. Every Christian is anxious about things. We're not alone. We're not alone. We're not alone. Listen, Christians suffer because we live in a broken world just like everyone else. And Christians also suffer for our faith. You're not alone. Don't let Satan isolate you into thinking you're the only one. <clears throat> um, after, you have, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace. Don't you love that? He's, he, he's not just a God of grace, the God of all grace who called you. See, he started the work in you, who called you uh, to his eternal glory, and the one who called you is going to finish that. Don't you realize that? 
one of the things that encourages me when I'm in this world is I'm not alone, that Jesus is with me, that Jesus understands suffering. Listen, do I suffer? Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. Have I been betrayed? Jesus understands. He knows what it's like to betray. He's there with me. He can help me in our sufferings. And it's so encouraging to me to know he started the work and he'll finish it, right? For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, you started it. You're with me. You'll get me safely home. You'll finish what you started. Um, the God of all grace who called you by his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself perfect, he'll finish it, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And know what Jesus is always telling me in the midst of suffering? Suffering is for a short time. Glory is forever. Are you in a tough time? Listen, suffering is for a short time and glory is forever. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time and we will suffer. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. But Jesus is always whispering, suffering is for a short time and glory is forever. And I love Peter. He's like Paul in that when he's speaking about Jesus, he, he goes from teaching into a doxology. So he goes into an inscription of praise, and he says, To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. He says, Don't forget that Jesus is in charge. Jesus has dominion. He has all authority. Remember, in heaven and on earth, yes, the devil has power. Yes, he's out to devour you. But he is not Jesus' equal, and he can only do what Jesus allows him to do. Want to be encouraged in your fight against the adversary? Listen to 1 John 4.4. 4. Um, look at this verse. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, I want you to read the last part of it with me, will you? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Read the last part with me one more time. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Listen, are you a Christian? You're from God. You've been born of God. And you've overcome them. Listen, you can overcome the flesh. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Listen, you can overcome the world because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have an adversary, the devil, who wants to devour you like a lion, but you can overcome not because you're so smart or good-looking or you can overcome because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So we've learned today the devil wants to devour you like a lion, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And so the action step for this week is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive, and I want you to run toward the roar this week. When you hear the roar, when you see the persecution, when you, when, when you see the, the anxious thoughts run toward the roar, not from them, and you say, you've got to be kidding. But some of you know how lions hunt, don't you? Some of you know, and if you understand how lions hunt, it makes sense, doesn't it? You do know how lions hunt, don't you? Male lions, they're really good at roaring, but they're not good at hunting. Did you know that? 
Female lions are much sleeker and faster and are good hunters. So here's how lions hunt. The male lion will get on one side of a field and he will roar. You ever heard a lion roar? Man, I have camping out at Lion Country Safari. Do you know you can hear a lion roar six to eight miles away? The ground literally shakes and it's terrifying. But the lion waits until about 12 female lions get on the other side of a field on the back side of the prey. And when the female lionesses are in place, then the lion roars. And the prey between the lion and the lionesses, they often make two fatal mistakes. One mistake is they're so terrified by the roar that they're paralyzed in fear. And when they are, guess what? The female lions come and devour them. The other mistake prey make when they hear the lion roar is they run away from the roar, right? And that takes them where? Right into the lionesses who devour them. The best thing the prey can do, it's so counterintuitive, is to run toward the roar. Because if they run toward the roar, they'll be able to run right by the lion who roars well but doesn't move well. We live in a time where the lion roars. And many Christians are paralyzed in fear and others run from the roar. But we must realize that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world and we run toward the roar. And you say, well, how, how do we do that? Well, uh, we've been learning this year that, <clears throat> that Jesus invites us to be disciples and, and, and disciple makers. And there's four simple invitations Jesus gives us. And so here's how I run toward the roar. Jesus says to me, come and see. And so every morning when I get up, I realize there's a lion who wants to devour me. And Jesus invites me to come and see him. And that makes a lot of sense to me, doesn't it, you? I mean, if you believe there was a lion who wanted to devour you, and the one who could help you overcome was Jesus, and he invites you to spend time with him, wouldn't that seem like a good idea? And so in the morning, I get up and I spend time with Jesus. And when I spend time with Jesus, know what I notice? That he's greater than my enemy. When I spend time in his word, I get encouraged because it says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You see, when it comes to the devil, like all things, there's two cliffs people fall off of. I know many Christians, and the cliff they fall off of is the devil doesn't exist. He's not there. And if that's where we are, we will get devoured. But I want you to know the opposite cliff that others fall off of is they make the devil Jesus' equal. The devil is not Jesus' equal. But when I start my day with Jesus, I realize that greater is he who is in me than he was in the world, and he's the one that leads me between those two cliffs toward the roar. And he'll do the same for you. Why not get up and come and see him? As I spend time with Jesus, he says, Follow me. Follow me. And that makes sense to me. He's the only one I know who was tempted in all ways and yet without sin. He's the only one I know who overcame our enemies. So it would make sense to follow him, wouldn't it? 
And listen, when we follow him, we see Jesus and how he dealt with temptation. And I want to do the same too. So that when I have a critical moment of decision, that I learn to respond like he did. It is written. It is written. It is written. And that means I want to get to know his word. How about you? And then I want to respond as he did. Don't you? How do we run toward the roar? I mean, Jesus also said, what? Fish for men. Fish for men. So uh, do you have any, do you you know anybody who maybe disagrees with you politically? Do you you think of them as your enemy, do you? I, I want you to know something. If you're a Christian, they're not your enemy. But they are held captive by your enemy. And that's why you want to run toward the roar so you can set them free. Maybe there's someone in your school or in your neighborhood or in your office and they love to make your life miserable. And and sometimes you begin to think of them as your enemy. I want you to know they are not your enemy, but they are held captive by your enemy. And the reason we run toward the roar is Jesus wants us to set them free with the gospel. Oh, listen to this. What does it look like to run toward the roar and the Lord's bondservant? Do you want to serve the Lord? Do you want to be a difference maker? Listen, and the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Could we say we have a quarrelsome culture? Wouldn't that be true? But the Lord's bondservant, if we're going to run toward the roar and set people free, we, we need to be different. We need to not be quarrelsome, but be kind to what? All. Don't we live in a culture where people are kind to people who think like them, but not to those who don't think like them? If we're going to run toward the roar and, and we're going to let, release people, we have to be kind to all, uh, able to teach If we're going to set people free, we need to know what we believe. Isn't that why we gather together so that we're able to teach? Patient when wronged. We don't give up. Um, With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Always reminding ourselves, the people who are opposed to us, they're not my enemy. They're not my enemy. They're held captive by my enemy. They're held captive by my enemy. I'm here to set them free with the gospel. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance. Are we continually praying, God, grant them repentance, grant them repentance, I grant them repentance coming to, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Man, as we're moving toward the roar, are we continually praying, Lord, help me to be gentle, help me to be kind, help me to correct. Oh, God, grant them repentance. Grant them repentance. May they come to know the truth. May their eyes be open. May they escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's how we run to the roar. We, we, we come and see Jesus, and we follow Jesus, and we fish for men. And, and lastly, Jesus invites us to bear much fruit, to bear much fruit. And so many, many of you lead small groups and And so as a small group leader, I want you to learn to pray for your people. There's the lion who wants to devour them. Pray for your people. 
that they would not be devoured. And listen, if you're in a small group, do you pray for your small group leader? Do you pray that they would not be devoured? Do you? You, you need to. Here's why that's so important. Remember the Battle of Bunker Hill? Remember Bunker Hill that the American army doesn't have many bullets, and, but there's lots of British? And so what they said is shoot the officers. Shoot. Do you know why you would shoot an officer? Because if you shoot the officer, then the soldiers don't know what to do. And so the British Army's officers were devastated in that battle, and no one wanted to be an officer because it was so dangerous. Um, even our own soldiers. Did you notice when Felix came up here in, in a dress uniform, have you ever noticed that the, the rank of an officer is very visible on their dress uniform? Have you noticed that? But if you ever see them in their combat fatigues, guess what? You can't spot their rank. You know why? Because in a battle, they don't want the enemy to know who the leaders are because if you take out the leader, you take out the whole group. It's like that in the church, you know. You see, the reason leaders pray for their small group is they don't want them to be devoured. But listen, if a person gets devoured... That's really, really sad. But you know what? If the leader gets taken out, it affects the whole group, doesn't it? Won't you pray for those who lead you? I love you, and I pray for you because I believe that there is a, you have an adversary who wants to devour you like a lion. And I don't want you to be devoured. And so I pray for you that you would be of sober spirit, that you would be on the alert, that you would resist him. Do you pray for me? Do you? We should pray for our leaders. We really, really should. I don't want to be devoured. Will you pray for me? I need it. I really, really do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for humbling yourself and coming into this world to set prisoners of Satan free. Thank you. Thank you for saying if we would simply humble ourselves, then you would exalt us at the proper time. Listen, if you're here and you've never humbled yourself by asking Jesus to save you, won't you, where you are, won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. Oh, if you've trusted him for the first time, won't you tell someone or mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. That'll make Jesus more real to you. 
Lord, I pray for those of us who've received you that we would realize that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And this week, we would run toward the roar, that we would get up and come and see you. And then as we head out, we would follow you. And Lord, that we would run toward the roar and we would pray that you would grant people repentance and set them free. And Lord, I pray for those of us who lead that we would pray for those we lead. And Lord, I pray that those of us who were led, that we would pray for those who lead us so that none of us would be devoured. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.